So this story begins way back in 98 when on the first day of school as a freshman, I walk into my high school history class. It's the end of the day and I already feel out of place because it's the last day of school. So naturally, where do you go? You sit in the back of the class because if you feel like you don't fit in, that's where you go. I look to my right and there's this tall guy who's stretched out sitting in his desk. We look at one another, say nothing to each other, and we both already know we're friends. Ian and I, when we discovered photography in high school, it became like the perfect mutual hobby to spend time with. Not just because you could turn your bedroom into dark rooms, but because you could also have a perfect excuse to try anything and push past your like comfort zones. I remember when Ian got his driver's license at 16, we would cruise around with a police scanner in the car and trying to find fires to take photos of and get Anchorage Daily News to buy the film and develop it. It never worked out, but we tried nonetheless. And when he got me a job at the portrait studio where he worked in the mall, we'd stay late after work and dress up in props and just have these impromptu photo shoots for no reason really, just to kind of make believe and have characters. And it didn't really matter what we did. The whole idea was Ian and I created a sense of like space so we could both explore who we were becoming. Thinking back to those days, I consistently remember there's like a soundtrack of 90s indie rock. <laughs> Think Nirvana, Sublime, Radiohead, and especially Smashing Pumpkins. See, at the time, I'm a total pumpkin fanatic. I can't get enough of quirky Billy Corgan voice. And there's this one song, 33, that almost every time it comes on, I have this desire to have deeper philosophical conversation. So I'd ask Ian questions like, Ian, if you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be? And Ian, who do you think we'll be, and what will the world be like when we're 33? And as we grew up, these, these adventures only got that much more ridiculous because we basically just had more resources and time and we were liable for our own actions. Um, in fact, this very theater, when we were finally 18, we helped our friends set up microphones for the Anchorage Symphony. So I have memories with Ian everywhere. And when we got into four buying, my dad was a mechanic, and so I rebuilt a 68 FJ Cruiser, and we headed out to King River. He had his like 80s, 1960, excuse me, FJ 60 from the 80s. And my vehicle died halfway between Anchorage and Palmer, and we hopped in his and headed out to the trail. And on the trail, we broke the steering knuckle of his truck, so then we had to try to fix it with what we had, and then get back into the vehicle. And when he moved away out of state, we still stayed in contact through long phone calls. And when he offered to cover my hotel in Vegas when he lived there, I flew down with pretty much like zero dollars in my bank account. But Ian at the time was gambling and he had a great poker face. He totally could play poker. Me on the other hand, I could not. So I played the five and $10 roulette tables and I did pretty well. Like for four days, I basically covered meals and entertainment. And all this changed because in May of 15th, excuse me, May 12th of 2016, I was sitting on the front porch of my home having dinner. And at the time, my wife gets a phone call from my brother who says, come quick, Ian has only hours to live. See, what had happened was that Ian was diagnosed with cancer at the turn of the year. And this diagnosis had basically brought our friendship to a whole new level because we'd found a new, we'd, we'd found a whole new level of vulnerability with one another. 
we were now having conversations that were basically about living intentionally and planning what it'd be like to live after treatment. We'd even gone as far as to plan what I call the recovery route, the idea that we were gonna use Powerline Pass and weekly walks together to create a metric of how much stronger and healthier Ian was getting. And this was extremely symbolic to me because Ian was the friend who introduced me to the Chugach. You know, growing up here since the age of three, I just thought there were mountains, but no, Ian's like, let's go play in the mountains. So when that didn't turn out to be the case that evening, I was in a home with close friends and, and his family and playing Smashing Pumpkins from my phone and sharing with other friends and family equally amazing stories of Ian adventures. Fast forward a few months later, I'm working at the Anchorage Museum as a photographer to document a one-time ceremony of these 10 really large masks. The ceremony is gonna basically transform the masks from their world, from the world we live in, into the spirit world to the process of fire. Each of the masks represented a, um, a disease that had affected society, including cancer. And they were created by Drew Michael, who's Yupik, and Elizabeth Ellis, who's a Lutic. And I remember as I walked through the museum, because it started the atrium, this was open to the public, that I found myself terribly distracted the whole time because as I'd go between photographing and sort of being aware of the environment, what you do as a photographer, I'd also have this emotional stress about needing to track where Ian's mask was. And in between, I'd hug friends and say hi to people. And it wasn't until the masks were carried out by the public out to the front lawn that I realized I might not be able to do my job as a photographer because I needed to say goodbye to my friend. And after the ceremonial dance out front in the lawn, the masks made their way down to the now lit fire pits. I remember moving around and as a photographer, you kind of get used to going in and out of your senses and my, I lose my sense of hearing when I'm doing certain kinds of assignments. And the only thing that was different this time was that I noticed I was also really shallow of breathing. And so that's when I realized I need to find my way to Ian's mask. So I made my way over, and by this point, Drew and Liz had now released like five of the masks. And I put my camera down, and I remember kneeling, and I reached out to the mask, and I said, Ian, thank you. Thank you for being an amazing friend. I love you. And it was at that moment that the volunteer who was standing right over the mask turned over to me and said, I think you should be here. And just like that, we switched places. And when Drew came by, he and I both picked up this mask and we released it to the fire. And I still don't have words to describe the emotional release that I felt because over the course of this year, I had not only lost a friend, but my marriage had ended and I had also been assaulted and I had come to understand what it was like to live with PTSD. But it was there in tears that I realized part of my journey in healing is actually sharing and being open. And I know that Ian would get an absolute kick out of this story because today I turned 33.